And this, this, this series we've been talking about in Philippians, the church in Philippi, that was a church that was under um, a, lot of, a lot of troubles, a lot of persecution. They were Christians in a society that was overwhelmingly pagan and, 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 and massive allegiance to, to the Roman Empire, to Caesar as Lord. And so these Christians are under a huge amount of persecution. When we read this uh, letter from Paul to the church in Philippi, it's about 11 years after he planted that church. And this picture that we have here on the screen is actually a picture of um, Epaphroditus, who's a guy that, that you read about in the letter who came and brought this wonderful um, gifts and food and provision for Paul, who was in prison, probably in Rome. And he brought it from the church to bless him and encourage him. Now, their prison system was, was nothing like what our prison system, our one's not perfect by any stretch of the imagination, but, and this is still um, the same in many like kind of third world parts of the, uh, uh, the, the globe, is that you, in these sort of prisons, you had to provide for everything for yourself. So your family or your friends or your support network had to come and bring you um, supplies and food, otherwise you would be starving to death. And Paul probably, <laughs> up to this moment when Epaphroditus came, he potentially could have been starving to death. And this wonderful gift from Epaphroditus, from this church that he planted, that he loved, that brought this gift of love and provision to him, and it just encouraged him and gave him so much joy um, in that prison cell. Even though Paul didn't need that, you know, we talked about that, that he had a joy in the Lord, but he still received that gift and that provision with love. And uh, it reminded me of, um, we, we probably like most of you, you've had COVID sometime this year or that nasty flu. Um, my family and I, we all got COVID and uh, we we're all out of action for about a week. And I just want to say again, thank you to those people that came and gave us meals and just turned up at the front door. Now, it was, it was funny, though, because they turned up at the front door and, and then they sort of started stepping back, you know. <laughs> it was like they just placed the food there and I, yep, sweet. <laughs> Get well soon. <laughs> Uh, but I, like, I, I remember I was probably in my juice again and looking like a zombie or something, but it was just like, wow, look at this, this beautiful meals and people we care and love about it. And, and, you know, we've done that for others, and I know you've done that for others as well. And that's what being a community and a church is all about. And that was, that was what was going on here in this, in this scene. Um, and then Paul writes this letter and gives it back to Epaphroditus to take back to the church to encourage them and to speak into some issues that were going on in their church. So, there's two things I, I just really wanted to read out of this uh, chapter four. Um, I'll just go to, this is a very well-known verse, um, Philippians 4, verse 4 to 7, these well-known verses, Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. In some translation, your reasonableness or forbearance. The Lord is near, or the Lord is close. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your heart and your minds in Christ Jesus. What a, that are just incredible words, aren't they? Like, just... There's some parts of the Bible that that, are, that got high points, and that's just one of them. It's like, man, those verses just give me life as I read them. And, and I just love that command from Paul, you know, rejoice in the Lord always. I will say again, rejoice. 
And there's, there's two things that I want to just bring out this morning. It's, it's, it's a rather, just a simple message I want to um, give to you guys this morning. And there's two things that Paul's sharing to this church in Philippi that are applicable to us today, 2,000 years later. And those two things are this. One, Paul's telling the church in Philippi, and he's telling us, I don't want you to be anxious. I don't want you to be anxious. And the second thing is he, he's saying is, I want you to change the way that you think. I don't want you to be anxious, and I, ch- I want you to change the way that you think. The way that you have been thinking. Because that's a huge impact on, on your well-being. Now, the, the church in, in Philippi had a lot of things to be anxious about. They had um, persecution, like I shared about before. So they actually had the real, you know, this is um, under potentially under um, um, Nero, um, where Christians are starting to get persecuted in the early church. Like these guys were facing death. Um, they were pa- facing ostracization with their businesses and um, with their community and their neighbors and stuff. They had lots of pressure on them as Christians in that community. They were also facing division in their church. Um, this gives me so much hope um, as a Christian and as a church leader that, man, even from the get-go, there was problems in the church, right? When you read the New Testament, it's got some amazing things going on, and a lot of people are like, man, we just want to be like the early church. It's like, yeah, we do, but it's also got all the problems there too, because there's people, eh? And whenever there are people, there's going to be problems. And so they had, they had this division in the church, and just prior to this verse, Paul has actually been speaking to an issue in their church with two female leaders in their church, which is awesome. They had these two women who were, must have been very important leaders in their church, and they had fallen out with one another. Isn't it so sad if, if in your church experience that there, this happens in church? It happens in the world, and it happens in the church that there's division, that we disagree about things, and that can lead to disunity in the church, and so Paul is speaking into that situation, um, speaking to say, look, you know, come together in the Lord, get along in the Lord. Uh, he doesn't take a side, but he just says, come on, guys, get, get together, get along in the Lord. They also had, they also had a, a, like a, um, there was a Jewish believers with like a circumcision kind of teaching that had come into the church. You know, people have been taught they had to had to be like, you know, Jewish believers to be fully Christian. So Paul's addressing that. They also had um, what it was a, was a, was a, t- it plagued the ch- early church for a long time, a Gnostic, um, sort of like a secret knowledge kind of faith thing that had got into the early church as well. He has to address that. Um, yet they had lots and lots of things to be anxious and worried about. And anxiety is something that um, it seems to be more and more common, right? Uh, it's just something you seem to hear more and more about people struggling with anxiety. And anxiety is really an undue concern. You know, to be unduly concerned about something, it's more than an uh, appropriate concern or a normal... Like, it's, life is, is complicated and there's suffering and there's things that go wrong... And, and that, that's part of life. Jesus said, you know, you're going to have many troubles in this world. He was very realistic about that. But he said, like, take heart. I've overcome the world. And anxiety is when, when we start letting the, the normal troubles of life, the, the everyday stuff that we have to do, the challenges, when that starts to overwhelm us. 
and then you start to get caught in, into a, like, a, like a trap in your mind where things get worse and worse, and you just can't get out of that cycle. And it just seems to be that more and more people, maybe because of our society is getting more and more complex, more, we're getting more and more busy, that more and more people seem to be struggling with this, right? It's in the church and outside the church, there's anxiety, anxious, people are worried. And, and Paul is, is addressing this concern. And I, myself, uh, I, I wouldn't say I've ever had like you know, an anxiety disorder or, or condition or anything, but I, I've definitely had times in my life where I have struggled with anxiety. And uh, I don't know, it's just the way I'm wired. I, I tend to catastrophize. I don't know if you've heard that term before. It's basically, if, if, if I'm thinking about something that could go wrong, I actually start going through all the scenarios in my mind how that could get worse. <laughs> Anyone else struggle with this? Like, you, you're like that thing at work or that thing that you, you need to do or something, and you, and you start, you're lying in bed at night, and you start thinking about it, and you're ruminating on it, which just means you're going over and over it again. And then you start thinking all the worst-case scenarios that could happen. And I've, 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 for a lot of my adult life, I've, I've struggled with catastrophizing and, and making things like, just overwhelming me and worrying about stuff. Sometimes I had to, in some of my previous jobs, have to go down. Amy was just like, oh, just go into work then. <laughs> I'd drive down to work because I thought I'd left something on or I hadn't put something through or sent something, and I just couldn't sleep because I was so anxious about that thing. And then I get down there and realize I'd done the job or the thing I was meant to do, but I was, I was just worried. I was catastrophizing about things. And... It seems to be, like I said before, that a lot of people struggle with this. And like I said, the church in Philippi has some real good reasons to be worried and anxious. But Paul actually speaks into that situation because he knows it's unhealthy if they get into that, into that pattern of, of, of real anxiety. And the way Paul speaks into that is by giving them a command. At the start, he says, rejoice in the Lord always. I will say again, rejoice. I like the message version. It says, celebrate in Jesus always. So in the midst of your difficult situation and the, the trouble that you are experiencing, that's what he's talking to the church in Philippi, celebrate in Jesus. In the difficulties that you are facing, celebrate in Jesus today. And like this is just like such a contradictory message because when you're in the midst of something overwhelming me, you or you're stressed or things are going on, it's like, man, how can I celebrate? How can I rejoice in that situation? And this is what Paul is commanding them to do. He repeats it as well. He says, I will say again, rejoice. Like he's like, man, you need to do this thing. You really need to do this thing. He commands them to do it. Why? He does it because he knows that they need God in those situations. He knows that they will not survive as a church under that persecution, with that division, with um, all sorts of pressures going on, that they need God, and they can't do this on their own. And the way that he, um, the way that he, um, he sets out is, is this plan of how to deal with it. You know how like a lot of the, the Bible is... Um, 
sometimes quite a mystery. And uh, there's, a, there's a lot of stuff where you're trying to decipher and you're trying to kind of work out what, what, what the, the writer's saying or what's God saying through this part. You know, a lot of it's quite poetic and all that. This is actually one of the, um, like the clearest, most practical parts of the Bible because it actually just sets out like kind of a one, two, three kind of step of how to deal with anxiety, which is really great. It's like, thanks, Paul. Like, he just gets super practical in this bit here and goes, okay, you're anxious, you're worried about a lot of things. Well, here is the antidote. Here is the way to deal with that. And I'm going to give you the prescription right now. And this is what he says. He says, you know, do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, every situation, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And then he says, and this wonderful promise, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. What he's sitting out there is that we are part of a, a relational thing with God. And, and the way that we, we do life is by having relationship with the Father. And it's about giving him, presenting our request, giving him those things that are weighing heavy on our hearts and minds. But isn't it, isn't it true, like, uh, I don't know about you, but, I, and, and this is terrible as a pastor, but sometimes when I'm worrying and I'm in a crisis, the last thing I want to do is pray. Has that been your experience? Like, you just want to, I want to go around this thing a few more times. I, I need to work this thing out in myself. But the last thing sometimes, my last resort sometimes is to pray in this situation. And, and I think for a lot of us, it's like we, we see prayer and giving this thing to God as like an afterthought, like an after-blessing thing, rather than in the, the very moment that that thing, crisis or that thing's happening, we're like, oh, no, I'm going to give this to you, God, right now. I'm not going to wait till tonight when I, I go to bed and I just sort of throw a couple of prayers in just to bless the day or just go off to work. In the very midst of that stressful meeting, in the very midst of that conflict I'm in, I'm going to give this to you, God. And I don't even have to use my mouth of words. I could just give it in my heart and my mind to you right now. Like, this is what it means to be in loving communion with the Father. This is what it means to give of ourselves in every situation. And I thought I'd break it down like this whenever we have these um, situations where we had this anxiety, when we have these things where we feel overwhelmed by the waves. I think it's helpful to ask ourselves these questions. One, the first one is, are we anxious? Is the thing that we're worrying about more than just normal worry? Like, like I said before, there's actually things in life that are just part of normal worry, that's just part of life. Maybe it's the All Blacks. It's just a normal worry. <laughs> They've run out of wicked wings at KFC. Like, these are normal concerns of life, crisis points. <laughs> Is it something that is beyond normal worry, normal concern? Okay, that's anxiety. That's not healthy. So, so you've, you've identified that in yourself. The second question is, like I said before, have you prayed? And, and, and it's a, it's a, it, like I said before, it's that thing. It's like, have you actually offered this to God? Too often, I, I, my experience and from people who talk to me about their struggles is that it's the last resort that they haven't even gone to God first with this thing and said, 
Lord, here I give this thing to you. And the thing is, I think the reason why we struggle with that the most is that we think that we need to do some big elaborate prayer. But this is actually the most like simplest and most earthy type of prayer that we can ever do. This is like a child with a parent. It's just, I'm going to give you what's going on in my heart right now, God. I'm going to give it to you right now. I'm going to tell you how I feel about this situation. Or <laughs> warts and all, whatever's going on in, within me, God, I'm giving this to you right now because you're a loving father and you care about my life and everything that's going on for me. So I'm going to give it to you now. And what I do in my mind is I actually picture the hands of God and I just sort of put those concerns and those worries or that thing or that person into, their, into God's big hands. And I say, Lord, take this. Lord, take this. This is too big for me. I can't, I can't handle this on my own, Lord. I need you to take this situation for me. And I just, I just, in my mind, I just imagine just putting into his big hands and just like, oh, God of the universe, take this now. Loving Father, take this now. And it's like in that uh, app, it says that, you know, he, he does that great line. He says, Jesus, I give you everyone and everything now. I give you everyone and everything right now. So give this to God. And then the third thing is, have you released whatever it is? I think this is the thing where, and this is the bit about practice that we have to keep doing this, is that sometimes we have identified that we have some anxiety in our lives, and sometimes we've given that to God on occasion, but have we actually fully released that thing to God? I, my, my brother Greg is autistic, and when he was a child, he was terrified of fireworks. Like, that caused him extreme anxiety. Like, every time we had Guy Fawkes, my dad used to have to go, like, drive my brother around town and stuff, like, trying to, back then it was almost impossible to avoid fireworks because they were everywhere. And, 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 uh, and, and, and so, like, on those, on those nights, yeah, my brother used to just be absolutely terrified. And so he didn't, it obviously overwhelmed him and he was trying to avoid it. But it was also this weird thing. Sometimes he would, like, want to look at it as well. Like, he would, like, you'd sort of, like, be looking out the window and he'd be, like, looking at the fireworks. And, and it's such a weird thing. It's, and I think we do that as humans as well, is that we, we know anxiety is wrong for us. We know that worry is wrong for us. And, and you don't want to think about that thing. But then... It's like you look like Greg looking out the window. He's like, "Oh, I just got to keep, I just got to keep checking that thing again. I got, I got to go back there. I want to, I just want to go a couple more rounds on this thing in my mind or in my body and stuff." And and it's like, it's like, nah, you've got to release it. You got to release it to God. And this is the super practical part of this: is that, is that that's going to be a daily thing. That's going to be a daily thing of giving it to God. And you're going to need to probably do that in com community as well. You're probably going to need maybe, um, you know, if it's something really severe, you're going to need to go counselling or um, have supervisors, spiritual direction, um, be in small groups or community. Um, as well as giving it to God, you're going to need others to help you as, you as you as you get that thing off your chest, as you keep processing it and giving it away. And then finally... You know, you've got all that anxiety and all that going on within you. But if you give that bad thinking or that bad 
you know, way of, of, of viewing the world, and you release it to God, and you let him work in you, there's actually like kind of a vacuum within you that you need to be filling up. And this is, this is, like, this is just the classic stuff around habit formation, is that if you want to give up a bad habit, you need to actually fill it with a good habit. So if you are trying to stop drinking coffee, um, you probably should switch to drinking some sort of like chamomile tea at the same time. Or if you're trying to stop eating biscuits at 2 o'clock, you need to switch to some nuts or fruit or something at that time. You need to, you need to train a pathway in your brain and your mind that you will go to these good things. And this is what Paul says here in 4, uh, uh, verse 8 to 9. He says, Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice, and the God of peace will be with you. So what Paul is saying there is you, you've got you've to put this into practice, this life. And, and what that looks like is actually being in the Word daily. It might be getting like that app, which I'll, I'll chuck up on Facebook, and like listening to that for just a minute in your lunch break or as you're going off to work with your coffee. It might be um, soaking in worship music. It might be getting into community and just getting prayed for. But you actually need to, you actually need to be shaped and formed so that, that your normal default thinking patterns are going to be changed and the re renewal of your mind will happen through that. It says that, you know, there's no formation without repetition. Like this is, that's what Paul says here, you know, put into practice, put this into practice, and then we get this wonderful promise, and the God of peace will be with you. And early in that passage, it said that, you know, that, that, that the peace of God will, will come around your heart and your mind uh, like a fortress, like God, it's, in the Greek, it's like a sentinel, like a soldier of God will be around your heart and your mind. What a wonderful, what a wonderful promise, isn't it? that we can have this today. But sadly, I think a lot of us don't live into that. And I just want to encourage you this morning, as I finish now, that you know, let's put into practice this good stuff. Let's do this. Like, Don't keep struggling away. Give it to God. Release it. Get help. Get support. And put all that good formation into your life so that you can actually live into this wonderful flourishing that God wants for you in your life. Amen. All right, why don't we stand?